Matthew chapter 28, remain standing if you're able to. Matthew 28. Verse 18. It is called by many the Great Commission. I'm going to preach a special message to you on Vision Sunday. God's vision for His church. God's vision for His church. Matthew 28. Verse 18 through 20. Are you ready? Let's read the word of the Lord. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, "All How much authority? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, come and mess us up with truth in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So thankful for the Word of God. And I was so thankful to visit some churches with my, my beautiful family. And Hannah sends her love to you. My daughter's over in university in her first school, first year, and getting straight A's. And got pulled into a, a, a nationally recognized group of one of two uh, freshmen that are selected. She got selected and she's on this traveling team as one of the vocalists and we're so proud of her and she sends her love today and uh, just so grateful for what God's doing, not just in our church, but all around our nation. I don't know if you listen to the naysayers, I, I would suggest you don't. I'm going to tell you that God's on the move in our country. God's doing something. There is a great battle that has ensued. And God has a vision. God has a vision for America. God has a vision for the nations. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for my life. God has a plan. The devil has a plan, but God has a plan too. We want God's plan. How many of you want God's plan? Say yes. Come on, say yes in the house of the Lord. God's plan, a vision for your life. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for us. And we are following hard after him to see that vision fulfilled. God has a vision for the church. The word of God says without vision my people perish and that being the case, the converse of that is true, the opposite of that is true, that with lots of vision then there's lots of prosperity and blessing. How many of you are blessed today? Wonderful. You need to be a part of a a vision that's bigger than yourself. I'll say it this way, that if you have a vision that you can do by yourself, that's your vision, but it's not God's. Because when God releases a vision, when God releases a plan, He always releases people to be a part of it because a God-sized vision, a vision from God, can only be done by a team so that God gets all the glory. What is the purpose? What is the vision of the church? Now, this is Vision Sunday. And many times I'll preach along, what the, vi- along the lines of what the vision is for King's Cathedral and chapels worldwide. But I felt so strongly about preaching to you the, the vision of the church, His church, the church universal. Every single church, big church, small church, a church at the end of the gravel road, the mega church. Every church, this is the vision that God has for, and it's not that every church is walking in the vision that God has, but from Scripture we know, and from this text, we know that there's a twofold purpose for the church. So let's look at that. God's vision for the church. That's this church, the church down the street, the church on the other side of the nation, the church in Botswana, the church in, in Nigeria, the churches that have yet to be planted in North Korea. The twofold purpose of the church 
The forming of a worshiping community that honors God in the world. That's what a church is. It's a worshiping community. A community of believers. Throughout Jesus' life, you'll see that he was worshiped. In Matthew 2, and that's important to note because not everybody worships Jesus. There's many people meet, they call it church, but they're not worshiping Jesus. That's not church. That's not the definition, a biblical definition of church. You have to be worshiping Jesus to be a church. So throughout Jesus' life, he was worshipped. Angels can't be worshipped. Angels won't be worshipped. The devil wants your worship. Jesus should be worshipped. In Matthew chapter 2, the wise men come, the magi come, they follow a star, and they say in Matthew 2 verse 2, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Jesus is worshipped in the New Testament even from the time he was a baby. In Matthew chapter 14, 33, he calms the storms and the disciples in the boat in Matthew 14, 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Jesus is worshipped in the New Testament and we should worship him. We should worship Jesus. The leper, when he's healed, he comes back and he worshipped and was made whole. There's ten lepers healed. And, they're, and, and they're, they're being healed on the way, but only one came back to worship Jesus. Jesus is worshipped in the New Testament. And the church, the church is supposed to worship Jesus. You'll see in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11, and at that time, and at the name, pardon me, of Jesus, every knee should bow, those in heaven and those on the earth, and those under the earth, that every tongue should confess, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. You see, I had you pray that what we call the Our Father, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, what's taking place in heaven should be taking place in the earth. As, as a result, heaven is being released in the earth through the church. Revelation 5 verse 8 says this. I should say as a result of heaven being released, those that will populate heaven gets expanded. The church has a, a, a role to play. Revelation 5, 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. The who? The Lamb. That's the Lamb of God that takes away. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. They fell down before the land, each having a harp and the golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Wow. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. By what? By your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such that are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. 
And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. We are to worship Jesus. We're to be an outpost of heaven. The church is supposed to reflect what's happening in heaven. See, that's why when, when we pray for the sick, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? Because I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a pilgrim passing through. Heaven is my home. I'm a stranger. I'm in this earth suit, this tent. But one day I'm going to be delivered from it. But at, until then, I'm living here in the earth along with you. And as the gathered people of God, as a gathered assembly of believers, the nios of God, the dwelling place of God, we are to be releasing heaven here. Just like they were worshiping, that's the way we should. If you don't like worship, you will hate heaven. I'm just telling you, you will hate it. You will hate it. You hate it. You think it's loud here? Oh, really loud. A kind of worshiper we should be. Well, that's, that's important to note. In John 4, verse 23, talking to the woman at the well, he said, For the Father is seeking such to worship Him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say anything about a building. It says everything about the way we should worship Him in spirit and truth. Can you worship in your car? Oh, yeah. Should you? I think so, yeah. How about in your house? Your house, should you worship there? Yes. You should worship everywhere, everywhere you go. Come on, where two or three are gathered, there I am and they're missed. I mean, the church is not a building. It's the people. And the making of disciples is what the church should be doing too. And we're going to get into this just a little bit here right from this text. The standard definition of disciple, listen to this and see if you are one. Check yourself. The standard definition of disciple, it's a noun, disciple, is someone who adheres to the teaching of another. It's a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. So if we apply that to Jesus, it's someone who adheres to the teachings of Jesus, to the teachings of the Word of God. It's a follower and a learner of Christ. That's a disciple. It's someone who takes up the ways of Jesus Christ in word and deed. That's a disciple. So ask yourself, are you are you disciple? Are you someone who learns the ways of God? Are you someone who speaks the ways of God? Are you someone who acts and lives in accordance with his plan that he's laid out in holy writ? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Okay, so you can't call yourself a disciple of Jesus and go get stoned. That, that, that would not be... Good. I've got like five amens in the church. Y'all smoking pot today? I hope not. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. You can't call yourself a disciple and go home and, and curse your wife and kick the dog. You can't call yourself a disciple and live like the devil and say that you love Jesus. That's, not, that's something else. That might be a disciple of Satan maybe which all of us have been delivered from, I hope. I'm going to preach like an evangelist. If you don't start amen at me, just a little bit, get, get after it. Let me read this. Applied to Jesus, a disciple is someone who learns from him, to live from him, to live like him. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace, 
conforms his or her words and ways to the words of the ways and words of Jesus. You say, I'm feeling, is that conviction I feel in here? I think I, feel, I, think, I, think, I, think I feel conviction. Now, that's a good thing. Listen, if you just want tickling words, you come to the wrong place. And we don't love on you and bless you, but we'll speak truth. Ask yourself. You see, we like getting discipled in certain areas. In certain areas, we don't want anything to do with it. We want to keep our little pet thing. We want to keep it. It's like, my precious. <laughs> we can make disciples. Come on, say it. Make it personal. Say, I can make disciples. I can make disciples. What an honor. What a high calling to be used by the Lord to make disciples. John 15 says, I've appointed you and chosen you to bear forth fruit. The fruit that he's chosen us to bear forth is, is, is fruit that lasts forever. That's making disciples. That's the things of the kingdom. So let's look at this text. It's, it's called the Great Commission. How many of you read this before? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's the Great Commission, but in many places is a great omission. It's really the reason we're here. To go. Everybody say go. All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Now, when you see therefore in Scripture, you have to ask what the, it's there for. All authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. I've got all power, all authority, the Lord says. And as a result of that, go make disciples. It, it tells you a couple of things. One, go is a, is a, is a command. It's a mandate. It's not if you choose to go, if you want to go, it's go. Come on, you ran your mama, your mama said to you, go make your bed. That wasn't, you know, go brush your teeth. Come on, that, that's not a choice. It's a command. Now, whether you obey it or not is different, and the same is true today. The Lord tells us go. Whether we obey or not is, is up to us because we have a free will. Because love, love can't be in a vacuum. You say you love God, then you obey his word. He's a prescribed way of loving him. So if he says go, and that's part of the vision that he has, the vision that he has for a church is to go and make disciples with his power and with his authority. And we don't go, then we're disobedient. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for all of you that serve so valiantly and diligently that, that's, that you're going. You know, the fact that he says all authority is given me ought to just make you check yourself a little bit. Why would you need authority? Because you need authority out there to make disciples. Because there's, there's the works of darkness. There's a hierarchy of hell that wants to exert its authority in the earth. And it requires somebody to stand up and say, sit down. You need to leave now. There, you know, it's, I was talking to my daughter. We were talking about authority and spiritual authority. You don't tell me you have any spiritual authority if you're not submitted to someone in authority. You have to submit to, to structural authority to actually have spiritual authority. And when darkness is breaking out on the right and left and you don't see somebody rise in authority, it's because they don't have any. So you know somebody has authority because they use it. Did you catch that? We can make disciples. We, we Go. Everybody say go. It's a command. Make, make, you know, make your bed, make your lunch, brush your teeth, right? We can actually make people... Not to force them, but have a part in a creative working of God. Let me listen to this. He's given us the power and the authority 
to help people renew their mind and become who they are meant to be from the beginnings of the foundations of the earth. We have a calling from God and the authority of God to help somebody get their mind changed, their, their, their brains washed, to be renewed by the, by the power of the Word of God. We have, come on, that's amazing. It's amazing that through your participation in teaching somebody, praying with somebody, helping somebody, walking with somebody, helping them learn to obey the Word of God and to become a disciple, a learner, a follower of the Word of God, that your role in that is eternal consequence for them and for you and you actually get rewarded for it. It's kind of amazing. Come on, someone say, I can make a disciple. Yeah, we have a saying around here, be a disciple, make a disciple. It goes on to say baptizing them. Baptizing them. That's incorporating them into the church. You know, baptism, baptism in many places uh, around the world is so uh, lax. It's, it's slack. It's not taught. And it's really just like another little religious thing you do. That's not how we do it here. Baptism is not only an outward sign of what took place on the inside, the outward sign, full submersion, going underneath the water, a picture of being buried with Christ, coming up out of the water, a picture of being resurrected. So you should not get baptized until actually that happens, which is you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth as Jesus is Lord, then you're saved, you become born again. If you can't remember when you've been born again, you might not have, right? And so when you're born again, you know it. Something changes in you. And then the outward sign of that is baptism. Don't get baptized before you actually really get baptized. The real ba- not to say that baptism is not a real baptism. Ah, oh, Jesus, help me. Don't get the cart before the horse. Give your heart to Christ for real. If you haven't done that, we'll give you an opportunity by the end of the service and then get baptized in water. It's a command to be baptized. I, it's amazing. I've seen people that have loved the Lord for years. They've never gotten baptized. You should be baptized. You said, am I going to get hell? Am I going to hell if I don't get baptized? No. I don't think so. But it is a command. And it's incorporating them into the church. It's not just an outward sign of what took place on the inside. It's being brought into a, a local body, a community of believers. See, we're a church family here. We're a large church family. And, and it's growing and will continue to grow. But it's important to be a, in covenant relationship. Listen, there's something wrong with your salvation if you just want to go to the mountains and you don't want to be with any people that love God. I worship God out in the mountains too. But this is very important, fellowship. We have fellowship one with another. See, real fellowship can't take place unless you're born again. You can't have fellowship with somebody who's an unbeliever. That's not fellowship. Now, the, now the biblical definition, you're hanging out with them, call it whatever you want, you're spending time with them, and should we do that? Well, of course. But he does say, come out from among them. But not the world, otherwise you'd have to be brought right into heaven. So you get born again and you're still in the world, but you're not of the world. And you should be a part of a local body of believers. If you don't have a local church that you belong to, you need to find one. You need to plug in and get a part of it. And yeah, I think everybody ought to have a pastor. You say, do you have a pastor? Yeah, I got a pastor. You got one? Yeah, everyone needs a pastor. Everybody. 
Thank you, Jesus. My daughter has been trying to find a church to go to. We have a local church that's about 45 minutes away, one of our churches, but it's a little bit hard given her practices and the things that she's involved in at her school. So she's visited some churches she can't seem to find. I think she found one this morning. I'm saying the number one thing, I'm glad you're getting straight A's. Find a church because knowledge puffs up. Get in some place, start serving, get to know someone, get a pastor, get people. Come on, get people around you that can hold you accountable. You need to do it. It's like an emergency now. You've been there for, I mean, I didn't talk to her like this much sweeter. Because you know how it is. They get around 16, think they know everything. And that's a hard thing for a 16-year-old to know everything. My daughter's not 16, she's 18. But you, know, you're, you want to be not so mandating over your, your teen when they leave the home. We give them artful suggestions. The Lord would say, <laughs> oh, I'll do that every day of the week if, in fact, he's saying that. And the word of the Lord has, has spared many people. Come on, you got to know what God's saying. you got to be a part of a church. And baptizing them, it's a picture of that. Knowing God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and experiencing unique work in their lives. Baptism. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Wow. Teaching them. There is no greater joy, as I said in the first service, I'll say again, there's no greater joy than to see my children walk in truth. And, and, of course, my immediate children, children my family. But, but also beyond that, I've got lots of spiritual sons and daughters. We have lots of spiritual sons and daughters. And to see them walk in victory, overcome darkness and depression, anxiety, overcome the challenges in their family and their marriages, the certain things that the enemy tries to put, or sickness or disease or glaucoma. Come on, Jesus. God's able to do it. And to teach people to walk the victorious life in Christ and to see, them, to see the teaching take is so satisfying, I just can't tell you. My son says to me as we're coming to church, I can't wait to play the drums. Because he didn't play for 12 days. He didn't play. Well, he played today. Praise the Lord. And as I looked at my son worshiping and playing, I was like, yeah, come on, Jesus. We just does something for a father's heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Years ago, we ministered to a young man. And, and your number one disciples are your kids. And we're going to help you with that, but you got to get them involved. you got to get them to camp. you got to get them in youth group. you got to get them in children's church. That's not a babysitting club back there. That's a discipleship center. Right, that's where that whole half of the building right now, got 150 kids back there getting discipled, right? So that's not just we're watching them so that you can hear the, the preaching of the Word. They're getting their own Word preached. So we'll help you in the discipleship, but if you don't have it at home, don't expect it to stick later on when they head off to university or go off to college. You don't teach your kid. Come on, teaching's important. I heard somebody say, well, teaching's the main gift. It is not the main gift. You have to have it. You, listen, all the gifts work together. You should not throw out any of them. I want all the gifts. Come on, say, I want all the gifts. I want all the gifts. In the 70s, there was a great teaching movement. Chuck Smith and, and, and Calvary Chapel and different ones. It just would really teach the Word. I mean, it was amazing teaching. But if you just stay in the place of teaching, you're going to dry up. Then, then, you, then you have a, a, the holy roller, which I'm going, to, I'm going to categorize myself as one of them. And if all you do is have the Spirit, you're going to blow up. We've seen the blown up. Pentecostals in this region have been known to be people that are just kind of crazy. They're loons. Got no substance, no character, don't know the Word. And Baptists will look down their nose at them and go, a bunch of freaks. 
and then go back to chapter and verse. You, you need to be like those, those Baptists that know the word inside and out. Eat the scroll. Know the word deep down in the city of your soul. But then, don't stay there. Let the oil of heaven come on all over you. you if you just have the word, you'll dry up. If you just have the, the, the spirit, you'll blow up. You need both to grow up. So you need teaching and it's important to have good teaching. I, I, am, I, I wanted to prophesy and just, you know, flow in revival today, Pastor Vince. But the Lord said, no, no, no. You're going you're gonna to pastor the church and teach them just a little bit. I'm, I'm telling you, the church is called, the church, God's church, the vision he has, is called to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to obey. It's important to teach yourself, to resource yourself. Teach your kids, teach yourself. If this is the only word you get all week, you're spiritually anemic. I, I, I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I'm just telling you, just if this is the only word you get all week, man, you, that's going to be tough. With the average male watching six and a half hours of TV, you tell me who's discipling the average male if he watches six and a half hours of TV. It's not pastor. It's, it's, it's not your small group leader. Yeah, it's... The news station, maybe, or friends. <laughs> Ain't friends at all. Teaching. You know, um, I, I was talking about uh, Daniel Rice in the first service. He's somebody that we went after and tried to teach and tried to disciple and tried to help him. He's now Minister Rice, soon to be Pastor Rice. He lives on the island of Maui. What most people don't know, you meet him now, I mean, he'll, he'll be up here in one of these days and he'll preach and it'll be amazing. What most people don't know is what a dark place that God brought that man out of. And my wife and I had a role in the early stages of his salvation trying to get, we did everything we could to get that boy to church. We'd drive and try to pick him up. We did everything. I would visit him. I visited him in jail. I visited him when he was drunk. I visited him when he was high. I'd laid hands on him. I cried break the devil off of him over and over and over. It was like nothing worked. He'd get saved one week and be recommitting the next. It was like as fast as he could get God in, would drain right out his feet. He'd go backslide straight to hell. It was miserable in bondage. And about it's about seven years ago now. I mean, I, I kind of, I didn't give up, but I mean, I moved on, you know. I just, trying to twist his arm to love Jesus, that's hard. So we just, I just sort of did our part, and then we moved and went and pastored another church. And so now about seven years ago or so, I'm, I'm in service at one of our conferences, and I look up in the choir, and there's this person who looks like somebody plugged him into 223 phase. I mean, he's just illuminated. Those who look to him are radiant, and he was just radiant, filled with God's presence and power. And I'm staring, and I'm like, dude, look at that guy, he said to myself. And I said, that looks like... And he points at me and says, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it is. It's rice. Holy cow. God can do anything. And he talked with me with tears running down his face. He says, thank you. Thank you for, for driving me. Thank you for praying for me. And finally, I finally yielded. I finally surrendered. My life's awesome. God's called me to the ministry and all this stuff. And now, now years later, seven years later, he's got an outpouring of the Spirit in the prison. He's over our prison ministry there. That guy's so mightily used by the Lord. Oh, my. Because he learned. He was taught the Word of God. And he got the Spirit of God. Come on, you have to get taught. And we have to teach. 
Who's teaching you? Say, like, you are, good boy. Who's teaching you when I'm not teaching you? Now listen, you come to this church, I'm your pastor, I'm so blessed. And if you don't have a home church, we'd love to be that for you. But if you find yourself in heaven and you've not been listening and obeying and doing the teachings of God's word as I've taught them to you, make sure you don't tell them you came to my church, all right? Fair? I had somebody say to me, um, Pastor, you know, I heard you, um, I heard you talking about smoking pot and how that's not of God. And, and I've, I've given it a couple swift kicks this morning already, so we might as well kick it again. It doesn't matter if they legalized it. And I know that there are, there are <laughs> instead of smoking pot for your glaucoma, how about let's believe for healing? Now, I know there's medicinal purposes, I don't, I, and I know there's creams, and it takes away pain and all that, and I, and I think doctors, God has given us doctors, and we're thankful. We're thankful for modern medicine, and we're all thankful for all of that. But when it becomes intoxication for intoxication purposes, then it, then it becomes pharmacia, which is basically, it's, it's drugs. And, and uh, somebody said, well, pot's not a gateway drug. Well, that's probably because you were never a drug addict. However, if you were in my shoes for the past 20 years, you wouldn't be saying such a stupid thing as that. I'm so trying to behave myself. Okay, so the guy says to me, he says this to me. He says, you know, you were telling me about how my conscience will, you know, if my conscience bothers me, then I don't do it. But, I, but my conscience doesn't bother me to do certain things. But uh, the word of God says that, that I shouldn't do that. So my conscience doesn't bother me. So I'm not convicted. So I'm not convicted. So I'm just going to keep on doing. I said, so what the problem is, is that you need to train your conscience and need to train your conscience by the word of God. So if you're not convicted about something that the word of God says clearly is wrong, then you're the one that needs to change, not God's word. Or you can take an exacto knife and cut that out and remove it from your Bible and you can add all of the curses to your life. You choose. It's at the, it's at the, oh, oh, Okay. Go to Revelation. You guys are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. We're going to go there. Come on, Revelation. Man, I, I can go long in this service. Thank you, Jesus. Ushers, lock the doors. Praise the Lord. Revelation, final chapter. Come on, Haggerty. Come on, coach. You should hear this man teach and preach on Revelation. He can bring it. Post-trib. Amen. Oh, you guys aren't even listening. You guys listening? Come on, what's going on? Yep, yep. I said, I said post, just to shed, double check everybody. Pre, mid, post, pan. Got it? Here, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you read it? The, the, add the curses of the, go ahead, read that whole thing. All right. Uh, 2218, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone, verse 19, and if anyone takes away from the word of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. All right. I think that preaches by itself. It's important for you to get taught, and you've got to teach your conscience. And it's a teaching's very, very, very important. Come on, somebody say teaching's important. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you. They may enjoy life on the earth. you got to teach your kids that. Yeah, teach your kids to be a blessing to you. 
Don't let your, this is for someone, don't you let your teenager disrespect your wife. Ever. Because if you do that, then you allow for your kid to be cursed. Oh, they'll pitch a fit over it. You just need to learn the consequences. We have, a, we have a class called the Parenting Toolbox. You can be a part of that. My, my wife and I didn't know how to raise kids. We, we, we liked, you know, we were loving, but we just didn't, we needed some tools. We didn't know what we were doing. I'll tell you what we did. We surveyed the whole large church. Over, you know, 1,500 people were there. We surveyed everybody. And we're like, okay, I don't want that. Little crazy child ripping up everything. The mom looked like she's 10 years older than she is. Hello? You know, little kid to clean off every coffee table everywhere in America. If it gets a chance, destroy, break, break crystal, break things, break all kinds of stuff, right? So we thought, okay, no thanks. I don't want that one. I don't want that. Lord bless them. Amen. We started realizing, wait, this isn't by luck. This is training. So then we found some families in the church that loved God. I mean, both families loved God, but I mean, one didn't know anything about training. Didn't know anything about raising their kids. And just thought it's just like, oh, you get a calm, obedient child. Aren't you blessed? We had somebody say that. Do you remember that? They said, oh, your kid's so obedient. You're so lucky. I was like, what are you talking about? You should see the training. Yeah, it's good now. If it gets out of balance here in a second, you're going to see some more training. Yeah, lovingly on the seat of their understanding. Giving them a moral warehouse. Don't just obey mom and dad. You obey God's word. And oh God, come on, you need to give me money, son. Because God's word says, honor your father and mother. Give me some, give me some. Hook me up. Am I getting through? Teaching. Teaching them. And you need to teach your kids. And we need the, the church needs to teach people. Oh, fathers, don't exasperate your own children. Oh, my. 2 Timothy 3.16, let's move on. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. How do you know how to act or behave? You learn the Word of God, and you learn to obey. You teach and train your conscience. So if being a disciple is being like Christ in His Word and deed, how many times do you think Jesus dropped F-bombs and curses? I would say never. There was no foulness. There was no defilement in his mouth. So, so then that ought to help you curb your language. It's not French either. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. Colossians 1 and 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to the working which works in me mightily. Amazing. The Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae says that I warn every man, teaching every man with all wisdom. He can say all wisdom because God has all wisdom. That we may present every man perfect in Jesus. Perfect. Wow. Discipleship is growing in the, neuro, in the knowledge of the Lord. But not just that. Not just head knowledge. Knowledge is played out. You know what wisdom is? Wisdom is knowledge applied. Godly knowledge applied would be wisdom. If you just have it in your head, that's not wisdom. 
You don't need more head knowledge, although we do. You need head knowledge that's activated in your heart that's played out in your life. And the Apostle Paul said of the church in Colossae, we are teaching people with all wisdom so that they become mature, so that they grow, so that they become perfect in Christ Jesus. That's amazing. Come on, I've got some growing to do. Does anybody else besides me who's honest and say, man, i got some growing to do to become more like Christ? To this end, I also labor, striving according to working, which my, calling about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that works in me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, For we must all appear, listen to this, before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God, it's kind of an intense message. It's kind of intense because the, the, the vision that God has for His church is to make disciples, to go, all authority is given me, and then He says to His disciples, that, that's us if you are one, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. Wow. Teaching them to obey. Have you been taught to obey? You know, pain is a fantastic teacher. Um, you know, those whom the Lord loves, he chastises, it says. Pain is, is I'm experiencing a little bit, of, little bit of back pain. And I'm looking forward to going to Dr. David's. I need some help. Thank you, Jesus. You know why? You know why I'm in pain? No, why? Because I went with my strapping young lad, son, to the gym. And uh, uh, on our workout were deadlifts. Now, you might just be a deadlifter from way back, and everything's all good for you to do deadlifts. But I haven't done deadlifts in, geez, I don't know how long. Long time. And uh, so, I'm, you know, I used to deadlift a whole lot of weight. So I wasn't going to do a whole lot. I was just going to be conservative and do a meager amount and just keep up with my son and show him how to do it. So, you know, we get to doing it, but it's a little bit light, and I'm feeling strong as an ox. So I throw a little bit more weight on. I haven't done deadlifts in a long time. Now, I know you might think I'm 35 years old, but I'm 51. I wouldn't go backwards for nothing. Praise God. And so I laid hands on that, laid hands on that bar and went to just stand up. And, man, it did not feel good. Now, wisdom is this. Wisdom is 51, no deadlifts for many, many years. Don't deadlift. That's wisdom. So guess what I learned? My son was laughing at me because I think I've said it probably 25 times. I am not deadlifting again. I will not deadlift. And, and, and I, I kept saying it not to teach myself from the pain. I have some back pain. God's healing me even now. And so I said over and over, I'm not deadlifting again. He said, Dad, you said it like 20 times. I said, yeah, that's because I'm not deadlifting again. <laughs> what were you doing? I know myself. I know myself. I know when I get in it, and it's just like, yeah. And I'm like, ready, I'm going to get in that. I'm, 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 I know myself. I know I'm like, no, I'm healed now. I'm good. Let's deadlift again. Is, is there anybody else like, don't, don't raise your hand. Mike, you know you're like that. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, it's good for other things, but it can be really bad. All right, well, let's get back to the message. 
Look to Roman numeral three. I've taught myself I'm not deadlifting. Pain can teach you. So you might not have a father over you and you're 10 years old and he's grabbing you by your ear lovingly and saying, no, don't do that again. But you have a loving heavenly father and are happy to take the switch to your hinder parts to teach you something. And that can come because of a lack of wisdom. And when you go through difficulty because of your foolish decisions, you start experiencing the chastisement of the Lord, which is the pain of your foolish mistake. That will teach you if you have wisdom. Let it instruct you. All right, I got like five amens. Praise the Lord. Let, let, let's, let's go ahead. Roman numeral three. Our plan to fulfill God's vision. One, or A, let us celebrate together. That's what we're doing right now. This is the plan and the vision that God has for us on Vision Sunday, all right? And throughout this, this next year, to be this, to do this, to do the Great Commission. One, to celebrate together. We're going to have Sunday morning, Sunday night services, and Wednesday. And we're going to keep doing that. It's important. Is it important to come to those, those times? Yes. And also, we're going to do these small groups. Everybody say small group. In the words of a 95-year-old pastor who stood in front of a large congregation many years ago, he said, the best way to get discipled, he's from the South, is in a small group. And I would say the best way to get, because you can't get discipled in a crowd. You've got to develop relationships. You have to meet people. You know, so people can, you get to know them, they get to know you, they get, you get to see their warts and their, all the ugly aspect of their life, and they get to see yours, and together you can pray, and people grow better together. So small groups are crucial and important. We have a whole list of them on our KC guide out front. We have a foundations class. What's that? To teach you the foundations of your faith. You'd be surprised. Please don't raise your hand if you fit in this category. But you come to church for years and not know about the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not know about His imminent return. Not know about why the Word of God is the Word of God. Not know about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not know about gifts of healing. Not know about prophecy. Not know about the, the, the Word. You just don't know the Word. Can't prove that Jesus is God. So when a well-meaning yet deceived person comes from a cult and stands in front of you at your door and, and declares to you that the kingdom of God is here in the earth and Satan is his brother and all kinds of nonsense, you've got no argument. You can't defend your faith. It's because you've not given yourself to discipleship. I was talking to my boy. My son knows every sneaker out there. All, all the basketball sneakers. Nike and Adidas knows all the players. Nearly, it seems. I mean, that kid is like a disciple of basketball. He's getting his little, his shot, the whole thing, the way everything, he's working everything, he's into the basketball game. You know what else he's into? He's into fishing. I got to catch some largemouth bass when I was in Missouri. We get on the boat, and they start breaking out these rigs that they call baits. Some of you ever did largemouth bass fishing. They start breaking out the baits. And, and my son's all, oh, that's a, that's a Texas. I looked at him, I'm like, how do you know? He's like, YouTube. <laughs> and, he, and he knew what the other one was, too. And he, and he knows all the knots and stuff. I'm like, how are you doing that? It's, it's YouTube. He's become, he's learning all this stuff about fishing because he just loves it. And basketball, and he loves it. He's resourcing himself. He's growing. I said, hey, Daniel, what's up? No, I didn't say that. He just walked in. I said, you know what you know what we gotta do 
is we got to hook you up into the Word of God like that. I mean, I've got time with them, and we're doing that. But the, he's growing at this rate of basketball and sneakers and shots and who's getting traded and who can shoot and on and on and on and, and fishing and the different knots and the Texas baits and all that stuff. Why? Because he's gotten discipled in that area. So ask yourself, are you getting discipled? We have resources. you got to use them. Amen. Someone, come on, someone say amen. amen. Utilize your gifts. What gifts do you have? Start using them. I didn't know I had any gifts until I started serving, and then I realized, hey, I've got some gifts. Some of you think you don't have any. It's a lie. Connect with people. Make relationships. Build relationships. Go to lunch with one another. And we, you know, y'all are so super loving. We, we do that here. You connect with people. Go for coffee. Get to know someone. Come on, some of you guys. You couples, take out some of these younger couples and take them to lunch. Come on, they probably don't have any money anyway, and you do. So you just take them out to lunch, and you bless them, and you get to know them, hear their story, and love on them. They need, they need parents. They need spiritual parents. Where are the women in Zion? Where are they? Where are the women in Israel that teach you younger girls not to? Come on. Where are the fathers? Are there any fathers in the house? Every man needs a father. Young couples need mature married couples to get around them and say, now here's what you do. Here's how you're going to get through this. Teach them how to pray through. What happened to that? What happened to that kind of discipleship? I'm almost done. You all right? They used to have people come to the church or the, the altar years ago and they would pray through. Pray through. Most people have no idea what I'm talking about right now unless you've been in the faith a little while. Praying through is praying until, it, until it's done. Now, that's not 15 minutes either. Or oh, it could be. Praise God, but it's 15 minutes so you can, you know, get back to your smartphone. No, pray, praying through, praying through, they used to invite people to come up under a burden. Come under the burden. The old time preachers used to say, come up to the altar and come under the burden. And people are like, what are you talking about? Unless you, like, submit and be like, okay, I'm going to come on. I don't know what a burden is, but the pastor says I'm going to come on or something. And they'd come to the front, and before you know it, the travail, a burden would come on you. You start praying. You don't even know why you're crying, and you're praying, and you're, and you're contending, and you're finding you got some of the mothers around you, the hands laid on you, and you just pray through. Listen, the 15-second Christianity ain't going to get you miracles for the drug-addicted son or daughter you might have. The 15-second Christianity ain't going to get you the miracle. Ain't going to reach this town. Isn't going to reach this nation. People walking in fire and anointing zeal and passion, character and integrity. That will change a nation. People that walk in the zeal of the Lord. People that know how to stand in the face of opposition. Not some weak, limp-wristed, Half-hearted. Look, my mama stood up. Am I preaching good right there, mom? If you're offended, just pretend I'm the evangelist. The real pastor will be back tonight. If that makes you feel better. All right, I got to hurry up. Outreach. Everybody say outreach. That's what we should do. If your church is an outreach reaching out, then you're going to become ingrown. We have this outreach coming up, and we'll have more outreaches. Get, get plugged in. Get involved. Serve. If you can't because you're working so hard, then give towards it. we got hundreds of pounds of candy we have to raise. And we just use the candy for bait to give them the real deal. 
Sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Jesus. Pastor Alex, would you come, please? Discipleship-making process. Look at Roman numeral 4, and I'm going to show you a video, and we'll be done. The ancient concept of education is really mentoring. Mentoring in the blanks, or you could call it modeling. I've learned more by watching people. I'd watch my pastor year after year after year. Watch him under pressure. Watch him in the middle of fighting situations and challenges and just watched how he would graciously turn the other cheek or let it go. I watched him resolve things. I watched him handle me when I'm trying to put pressure on him. Oh yeah, masterful. Grace, filled with grace and compassion. I just didn't have so much grace. I was just all ornery, you know, like some of you guys. But I, I think, I think, I think some of that grace has gotten on me just to be able to not be pressed into a decision or have an emergency. Why, why had that happen? By watching this man for twenty something years. When he borrows your pen, he finds you in a crowd and gives it back to you. Watching him with in, integrity, incredible integrity. In every way, emotional integrity, financial integrity. Watched him keep his word. You see, the ancient concept of education is not just learning. It's learning alone with doing. The Romans called it a pedagogue. There's a, a, a thing called a pedagogue relationship. It was an apprentice type relationship. You would learn, but then you would do it. That, that's what real education is told my daughter, I said, I'm so thankful you're at school. I'm thankful you're getting straight A's and all the stuff. Now, now you're going to find a church. We need to find you a church, girl. You need to find a church and you need to get to it. You need to get in it and you need to get serving right away. She couldn't find one. Went different places, had transportation challenges. All the obstacles that way are removed. And so now she can get to get to where, where she needs to be. She went to James River Assembly of God today. Just loved it. Got touched by the Lord. And I'm texting her while she's there. I'm like, good, now go to the connect. Go to the connect thing. What connect thing? And how do you know? I said, I was in the first service, watched the whole thing, listened to all the announcements, went on the website, got myself the app, downloaded the thing, found out when the thing was, know who the thing is. I, dude, I was instant messaging the people in, the, in it, in it. There, I'm messaging the pastors, you know, on there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy, that pastor brought the heat, man. Great word, great worship. I just liked everything about it all, all right away. So I'm telling her, now go here. How do you know? Because I was in the first service. Now you're in the second. Get to the thing. How do you know what it's called? It's on the website. I read it. She's like, oh. I'm like, all right, get there. It's to the back of the church by the thing. I want you to go there now. And, 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 I, and I, I gave her the word of the Lord. The Lord would have you go there today. And I wasn't kidding. I was serious. That's a good idea anyway. But the Lord spoke to me. Get her there today. Now, I don't know if that means that when she meets there, it's going to be a divine set of circumstances that unrolled to move her forward in destiny, but that's usually what happens. Who's, who's mentoring you? Who holds your shut-up card? Come on, smile. Make me feel better. Do something. Praying tongues or something. All right. Who holds your shut-up card? Who's mentoring you? Who's discipling you? See, you are. I don't really know most of you. I mean, like, no, no. 
what goes on in your home and the way you argue and stuff. I, I don't really know that. It's not that, I, it's not that that has to happen, but they're, for me, we've got lots of leaders. You need to connect like that with someone, though. Who, who's in your life that's more mature in Christ than you? You need to have that. We all need that. The rest of your life, you will need that. I'm so thankful that I could get a hold of my pastor and I've got friends. i got some bad cats that would jump on airplanes and fly here and be here tomorrow if I needed it. Do you have that? That's that, that, You have to grow that. Is that clear? Am I, am I being clear? I don't want to. I don't want to be all up in everybody's life. I don't have time for all that. I mean, I, I'd love to get to know everybody really well, and, and I endeavor to. We hope to. It's not for control purposes. It's for loving and training and discipleship and fatherhood purposes, not for anything else. You need that though, and you can get that through developing relationships here in the church, and it's vital for you to do it. Making a disciple is knowing, doing, being. Come on, let's, let's, let's build it together. I, I've got a whole bunch of points and notes on that. I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I've got a video I want you to see, but before we do, ushers, would you help us please and pass out these cards. I'm going to go ahead and take a special offering on Vision Sunday. I've gone just a little bit longer than I wanted to, so we need to hurry it up. Don't miss tonight. Going to flow in the Holy Ghost and prophesy. Flow in the gifts tonight. Got a great word to preach to you touched my heart. Five o'clock, if you're a leader, if you're leading in this season, leaders, assistants, and hosts, you're leading a ministry, you know who you are. You're leading a small group, you know who you are. You're assisting or you're hosting one. Need to be at a meeting tonight, five o'clock. Gosh, I just, there's there's something I can't quite grab and I'm going to try to grab it. I, I, I feel like in my preaching today that I've, it, it just feels a little bit hard and a little bit controlling. And I want to tell you the last thing in the world, I, I don't mind offending you with the word. I don't want to offend you with my antics or my personality. I want to challenge you because I know what it is. I know what it is to get discipled and get free. I know what that is. And I... I long for you to walk in a place of joy and freedom. I long for you to know that Son who's set you free and free indeed. Not not free like, like escapees from a prison. Escapees from the prison are free, but they're not free indeed because they're constantly looking over their shoulder for the, for the, for the sheriff to come and arrest them because they're not really free. Free indeed means you don't need to look over your shoulder anymore. You've been liberated. You've been delivered. You've been filled with the power of God. And that no longer are you plagued and tormented by your demons of the past. I long for you to experience that. And sometimes I think I come off just a little bit too hard, a little bit too strong. And would to God that you would come and taste and see that He's good. He really is. He really is. So forgive me if it's... It's come off that way. It's really our hearts to see you walk in victory. That's the vision that God has for you. It's the vision we have for you. It's the vision that the Word of God has for you to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God, to make a difference everywhere you go, to see His power break out in your own life and in your family, to walk and overcome all the days of your life, to be disciple, to make disciples to see his kingdom come, to know the terror of the Lord. As Paul said, 
that, the fear of God, to walk in his truth, to walk in his ways, to walk with him as Adam walked in the cool of the day. Just a closer walk with Jesus. Are we all set? You got that all queued up? I want to show you a video. We are, whether you realize it or not, uh, this past, not this, let me see, not not Friday night to Saturday, this past Friday night to Saturday, but the week before that was the Day of Atonement. And I preached on that when I was gone. It's, a, it's an Anglo-Saxon word, atonement means at one minute. It means to be brought and made one. See, you're forgiven, you're cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. The high priest on that one day would go in in the prescribed manner and sprinkle blood and incense. It all had to be done perfectly. And he would do it once a year for himself and for the sins of Israel. And the book of Hebrews in chapter 9 talks about Jesus, who's the great high priest, and how he shed his blood and went through the tabernacle or the temple. He went through to offer his blood on the actual tabernacle and temple in heaven, you see. Because the earthly one in the Old Testament and the sacrificial system was a type and a shadow of that which is up in heaven. And when he did that, he did it once and for all for the sins of mankind. How much more, says Hebrews, that the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus would cleanse us from sin, from our conscience, forgive us and wash us and make us one with God. And then we crossed over into the Feast of Tabernacles, which it is now. It's a tremendous season where they would, if you go to Israel now, you see these tabernacles on, on flat roofs and people living in tents to remind them of God's provision in the wilderness. And this is the season in which we take this vision offering and it's on purpose. And you can read in Numbers, I believe it's chapter 20, 26 or 29, sometimes I switch numbers. And they would come and they would bring an offering to the Lord, a significant offering. Deuteronomy talks about it. And, and so we're going to line up with the, the, ca- the, the calendar of heaven, the calendar, the, the Jewish calendar. How many of you know Jesus was a Jew? Yeah, there's something significant about Judaism because God came to the Jewish people first and then to the, the Greek and, and the pagan after. And so there's the calendar of the Hebraic calendar is important, I believe, for us, even as Gentiles, most of us Gentiles. Let this video play, would you please? Bring your attention to the screen if you'd knock the lights. Thank you. I want to ask you a question. Does Jesus have a vision? Jesus has a vision that he gave his life for, and that vision is for lost souls to be found. God always operates through vision. When he gives us a vision, it's for our response. That's why when they would come to these festivals, God said, don't come before me empty-handed, because he wanted them to respond to what he had done. It was a time when people realized their complete dependence upon God for his provision. And we will do the same today at the Feast of Tabernacles. And as we yield 
to what he has commanded us to do, I believe God will prosper us. And we've seen it happen already in the 12-12-12 vision, the 120-20 vision, and now the 123 vision. You can take a step of faith through your giving on Vision Sunday. What will you do this Vision Sunday? Ushers, would you help me, please, if we pass out those cards? Oh, I think we already did. Let me go ahead and get myself one. Come on, take a look at this with me. Flip it over. Flip it over, and uh, it says, I'm giving a special offering of blank on Vision Sunday. That's today. I'm committed to give in the daily seed. Now, the daily seed is something we've done for 35 years. All around, all around our our church all over the world, one church in many locations, they're doing this. The difference in Alaska uh, is this. The offering that we're receiving right now is going expressly and directly to our building project. We've uh, changed some things. We'll be doing things just a little bit different regarding our offerings and our daily seed. The daily seed here is always going specifically in recent years, in recent years to the, the building uh, the building fund. And uh, we're moving ahead, like I said earlier, 95% complete on the plans. I believe that God uh, is orchestrating everything so that by uh, this next building season, we'll have our concrete and our steel ordered. I think it's 58 18-wheelers worth of steel. Do you have any idea? Do you have any idea how much steel that is? It's a significant building. And uh, resources and finances are the th- one of the things that has been a little bit delayed, but I'm, I'm very, very grateful for breakthrough that's, that's upon us even now. So this offering today and the daily seed in the, in the weeks ahead will all, all go to the building fund. And in recent years, as in the past two and a half years, that's what's taken place. Uh, around KC worldwide, they're receiving this special offering and it's going to help other churches uh, to see them grow and to help them with their building projects and stuff like that. But it's a little bit different for us. We will be taking offerings later to help the works in the lower 48 and internationally. How many of you think that's a good idea? Yeah, some of you don't realize that that, uh, our giving has been um, supernatural and that we at times have given up to half of the income, half of the income of our church to help other churches. I tell you, I don't, I don't know another church that gives that much. I, I've never heard of another church except Maui. They've done it. But they're again not half. Half significant. Can you imagine giving half of your income to sow? Can you imagine that? And that's what we've done. And look what God has done. God is doing an amazing thing. I think we're in a place where we're at because of the seed sowing that we've done already as a church as a whole. So we're going to go ahead and receive this. It's going specifically towards our building project. Let me finish reading this. Daily seed. Over and above my regular tithes and offerings, the amount of, and you can fill that in as the Lord leads you. This card is just to help you, and I'm going to pray over them. It says, let's build it together. Come on, let's say that. Let's build it together. We are flat out of space, many times over out of space. And uh, we, we, need, we really need the, the building. But the church, this morning, I wanted to be real clear. The vision is not about building a building. 
Am I clear? Vision is not about building a building. Oh, we need it. Vision is about building people. Vision is about building the kingdom. The vision is about building and making disciples. Not, not, not just here, but of all nations. Teaching them to obey, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That, the vision is to do the great commission to go. All authority has been given to me. Go into all the world. That's the vision. We need the building. Come on, somebody say amen. Take a moment, won't you? Take a moment to fill that out. Prepare your offering if you're going to give today. If you're not ready because you need to pray or get an agreement with your spouse, I understand you can do it another time. But we're going we're gonna to receive it here in just a moment. Pastor Alex, would you just lead us as we prepare our offerings this morning? And in a moment, we'll close. Let's declare this building established and done with shouts of grace, grace to it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give, Lord, into the vision of making disciples and reaching our territory, reaching our state, reaching our nation, reaching the nations of the world. And we extend our hands and we declare that this building will be built, Lord, from the very top of the roof all the way to the foundation, finished with shouts of grace, grace to it. Thank you, Lord, for a new facility. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom and even the sale of this one. Prosper and bless your people as they give. I pray the hundredfold return. Release the hundredfold over these, I pray. All in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. Houses we didn't build and all of the blessings of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sow. Come on, come right up to this daily seed box. service without giving an opportunity for people to give their hearts to Christ. 
If that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus, won't you do it today? I implore you, I plead with you to be reconciled to God. And the only way for that to happen is for you to receive this free gift, the free gifts of Jesus' death and resurrection in your place. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment because you've drifted in your walk with the Lord. You want to come home today. All across this place, just pray right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your resurrection. Release your power in my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help all of us to be disciples, to go to the next level of our training and instruction. Lord, if there be any need of rebuke, that you would bring it, that you would correct us, you'd instruct us. Lord, we want to be more like you in word and in deed. Teach us the terror, teach us the fear of the Lord and the love of God. Overwhelm your people, overwhelm us with your loving kindness, I pray. Thank you, for it's your love that held your son on that cross. And it's your love that keeps us here and holds us and trains us. So, Lord, thank you for what you've done today on this vision Sunday. In Jesus' name. Before I close, let me say, we have a fair amount of new people here in the second service. Please come at least three times. So give us, give us two more shots. We don't take special offerings every single time we gather. And two more times will give you a good feel for the church. You can go and look at the website and listen to some of the sermons there to help you. There's a lot of great churches, but again, we'd love to have you be a family. You'd be family with us here. Let me bless you, Father. Thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us, oh God. Lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen.